0: Welcome back, guys. It's Mount Meditations. Uh, This is episode 14 in the second season. Definitely the first time we've recorded this podcast. And so I'd like to... No, it's not. Don't (laughs) listen to him.
1: We're running it back.
0: Yeah. We had some mistakes in the first one, so we're going to try it again. Thankfully, I kept most of... I I have, like, all my notes from before, so it should be good. Um, Tristan, go ahead and tell us what we're talking about today.
1: All right, we're going to run back open borders immigration policies versus closed borders immigration policies. Yes. Referring specifically to the United States because that's the only relevant country in the world. Um, (laughs) There's been a lot of talk about immigration recently. Mm -hmm. If you're involved in any way with the political sphere, political uh, talks, you've heard about it. Uh, Things regarding illegal immigration, stuff like that. Right. Uh, We're going to focus on the more broader concept in theory of Mm -hmm. open borders and closed borders
0: right and so i think the way we started off before and that's the way we'll start off now is talking about some of the problems with the current immigration policies that we have in the united states one of these being the flores settlement agreement from 1997 um, which makes it more likely for children to be sort of transported by smugglers because they can be, the children will be released back into their custody. So, and as we know, smugglers are, can be some pretty awful people They can do some awful things. Um, It also encourages the families to bring their children along because they get a 20-day release. So, in uh, April of 2019, the Homeland Security Advisory Council bipartisan, so CBP, Families and child care panel concluded that the dramatic increase in FMU, which is the family units of immigrants, um, apprehensions over the past year are linked to the government creating these pull factors like the Flores Agreement uh, for migrant families to bring a child with them. And so, you know, so they can then be released. So the influx of families crossing the border has actually risen by 600% in the last year. So, you know, we, we we can see how that can be an issue, specifically this the smuggling uh, part of that. Um, and then similarly, we have the TVPRA, which is uh, Trafficking Victims Reauthorization Act. And so this uh, requires that when an unaccompanied child is screened by the CBP officers, uh, they must be transferred to the custody of the... Um, of HHS, which is health and human services within a 72 hour period for further screening. Now, this is all well and good because it does give the children care from HHS who are more trained to care for them than the CBP officers, which makes a lot of sense, obviously. Um, but this, what we find is that actually encourages the parents again, just as the Flora settlement, um, it encourages Parents to send their children via smugglers into the country, because um, 78.7% of all children released into the custody of their parents are are given to illegal parents. So this is the same thing. It's like you. It's sort of a get out of jail free (laughs) card, and it's another case of you know good intentions being taken advantage of. And then last thing I have is uh, credible fear. So Obama started releasing. A good majority of illegals, when they claim, just when they claimed credible fear, and suddenly we noticed that um, magically the number of credible fear claims shot up. It went from five thousand to ninety-nine thousand within the span of about eight years. So, um, what a wild coincidence, (laughs) isn't it? Crazy how things work. Uh, So, credible fear, for those who don't know, is an illegal tells customs, you know, CBP, they tell them. I wish to apply for asylum or I fear um, persecution in the country that I came from and I need to stay here for safety Um, or they fear returning to their country for some other myriad of reasons. Um, That's for people who obviously are in danger and need help. You know, that was the original point of credible fear was, hey, I need help from I need to stay away from my country because bad things are happening over there can you guys help me out and then we see it's just taken advantage of again Um, so you know you'll find that this happens in most attempts by the government to sort of um, you know try to keep people safe is the people who don't need it the people who came here for economic prosperity things like that they are taking advantage of that pretending that they have some sort of thing that they're running from in their country Um, so those were the the three things. Oh, also detention centers cost a lot of money. That's another thing, which I don't think is necessarily an awful thing. I, I just think it's another um, straw on the camel's back uh, because it, the the detention centers actually have a higher standard um, of, I don't want to say living. I don't know how how else to say. They have a higher quality than county detainees do so people who are natives to america and are being detained which does happen and they are separated from their children by the way for the record um detention centers are going to have a they're going to have more library and recreational time uh more options for charity organizations to uh help them out more legal time with attorneys which helps a lot and so yeah it's just much more expensive to detain an immigrant from another country than it is to detain someone within the country because they hold those places to a actually higher standard um Hmm. so yeah those are my those are my three or four um instances of the the system being a little bit broken things that need to be fixed um all right yeah chime in so
1: i'm gonna jump in here and i'm gonna talk about the children because boy do i hate them so the children are our future And the children are also being used and manipulated by anybody with any kind of political capital or anybody with anything political to gain. You probably noticed this if you've been watching the news media. There's the climate strike. There's the march for our lives. There's the march for our rights. There's the march for X, Y, Z. Whatever you may have. Specifically, I want to talk about the children being held in uh, ICE detention centers in the southern parts of the country. Now... There was a bill put forth by Republicans, and Donald Trump specifically, he said he would sign this, where basically it provided additional funding for the ICE detention facilities, (laughs) and that funding was to be used for the welfare of the children who were there, and uh, what they, after a lot of political pressure, put on the Republicans' Uh, by the Democrats, specifically by people like Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez having her little photo shoot going there and everything. Now, yeah. what they also did was they snuck in their own little part of that bill. What they also said was you get this funding for the detention facilities, but we're also going to use it as this way to sneak in funding for Trump's famous border wall, which is currently under construction. Yeah. So the children... Are really realistically a means to an end, as mm-hmm. far as the politicians as as far as the politicians can see. Yeah, as far as the Republicans can see, they can use the idea that the children need to be taken care of by the state mm-hmm. to fund a wall, so that they can get what they want, which would be a wall, which would be seen as like a victory for their constituents. That way, they get a few extra votes come around next election year.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, for the Democrats, uh, it's no secret why Democrats like a lot of immigration or like the illegal aliens coming in it's because they vote for democrats yeah. if illegal aliens overwhelmingly voted for republicans republicans would be down to tear down the wall tomorrow sure. don't get it confused yeah this is just about votes
0: mm-hmm.
1: now the third people that are using the children are the actual cartels y'all mind if i blame the Repu- <laughs> y'all mind if i blame the government real quick again so Uh, The three big things that the cartel deals with are guns, drugs, and women. That refers to illegal, non-NFA firearms that they smuggle across the border, usually given to them by Eric Holder and the Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Fatal Bureaucracy. Uh, Narcotics and psychedelics, usually like Mexican black tar heroin, is really famous because it got a card in Cards Against Humanity, and it sounds really scary. (laughs) And finally, women. Now, There's a lot, a lot of human trafficking going down with regards to the border. And that's because the state has specifically created a financial incentive, that sort of thing. And they have used the children as another bargaining chip. Mm -hmm. And I can explain that. As Chris talked about with things like the floor settlement, children are an extremely valuable commodity when you're crossing the border. Suddenly you have this one little token. It's like, Hey, I got a 12 year old. You got to let me sell this heroin (laughs) (laughs) Yeah Isn't that how it works? (laughs) Not exactly but Functionally, that's what it can be used as the children are being utilized and manipulated by the megalomaniacal Psychopaths that inhabit the federal government shocking absolutely nobody that's paying attention Mm -hmm. now the children of course are our future Unless we stop them now, as Homer Simpson once said, the children are being utilized and manipulated by the state. Mm -hmm. And that flows into the overall narrative of open borders versus closed borders. Because the idea is that, okay, if the borders were open, this would never happen. There wouldn't be a financial incentive because there would be a black market for it. There would be a financial incentive, but it wouldn't be anywhere near as dangerous. Kind of like how Prohibition, Prohibition before Prohibition, American's uh, alcoholic beverage of choice was beer. Mm -hmm. During Prohibition, it was hard liquor, stuff like that. And closed borders, it's like, well, they can't go in anyway, so they're not gonna keep carting kids down and across. However, under the current system, neither open borders nor closed borders can work, and I can explain that. As far as uh, American workforces go, Uh, Immigration is very needed. A total embargo on all immigration would be pretty bad for the United States. We take in about a million immigrants every year. And overall, they are an economic and cultural benefit to the United States. However, illegal aliens are not. According to the US Bureau of Labor Statistics, the US Census Bureau, uh, illegal aliens contribute up $25 billion to our economy. And they take away about $134 billion, resulting in a net loss of $119 billion. Mm -hmm. Now, that's pretty rough. Just as well, open borders can't work either. Because of things like the welfare state, the war on drugs, the war on Second Amendment rights, the state is giving inordinate amounts of money to extremely inefficient and ineffective uh, social programs, also known as government money laundering programs. Now, when you have that kind of thing, when you have uh, a huge welfare state just giving out money hand over fist, you have an inordinate increase in taxes and an inordinate increase in people living off taxes. But you also have an increase in people, uh, you have a decrease in people who are actually paying those taxes. Uh, According to the U.S. uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics, the top 10% of all earners in the United States earn about or contribute about 70-ish percent uh, total tax revenue. And the top mm-hmm. 10% of earners, and the top 1% of earners, excuse me, contribute about 45% of all tax revenue. Dang. Now, that number is shrinking and shrinking because of the growing, disparate middle class. Mm-hmm. That middle class is shrinking and shrinking, becoming more disparate because of illegal aliens. Basically, we have the status invading their way into labor they are uh putting things like minimum wage uh workers comp stuff like that things yeah. that make it more risky for any business to hire a worker or an, at least an american citizen mm-hmm. you have to pay them x amount you have to give them this and that if they work x hours you have to give them y benefits stuff like that that sounds good it really does but it is using the state power to trample upon the consensual agreement between employer and employee. It violates the principle of consent. And just as well, it creates an incentive in order to hire illegal aliens. Basically, if it costs you $1,000 to employ employee A, and he's an American citizen, and it costs you $800 to hi- to uh, employ employee B, and he's not an American citizen, you'll take that. There's very very little as far as legal punishment goes for illegal or hiring practices of illegal aliens. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not a fan of illegal aliens or illegal alien illegal immigration in general. My father immigrated to the United States in the 1970s when he was 11 years old. It was a long and difficult process. He had to take an IQ test. He scored a 70 on it. His father was very upset. He <laughs> yelled at him for a very long time. Javier, monkeys score better on these tests. What is wrong with you? <laughs> They gave my dad the test in English, and he didn't (laughs) speak the language (laughs) quite yet. Unfortunate mistake. But eventually, he came into the United States. He became, and he lived the American immigrants dream. He graduated high school when he was 16, became a doctor very young. He bought a farm, and he married a white woman. And that's all you really need. True. Now, the benefits of immigration really cannot possibly be it cannot possibly be what's the word that you can't fathom the amount of benefit that more immigration has for this country now there are limits we literally can't in we literally can't take an unlimited amount of people into this country that would just not be possible at least in its current state in order for something like open borders to work which i would like it to work you would have to have a complete dissolution of the welfare state you have to legalize all drugs, and you have to legalize all guns. You might also have to legalize prostitution, but I haven't thought that one all the way through yet. So the first one, the big one, is the dissolution of the welfare state. The welfare state just enables people to use government violence in order to extract wealth and resources from other people. Now, a lot of people will ask, uh, considering that a lot of immigrants... Uh, well, a lot of immigrants, uh, for example, immigrants from Latin American countries have a conservative social leaning. They're generally Catholic and they're generally uh, generally more conservative socially. Why do they continuously vote for status in the Democratic Party? And that's pretty easy. There's a comic on an anarcho-capitalist forum that I frequent that uh, talks about it pretty easily. Uh, a bunch of people come into the United States and a guy in a top hat. He says, welcome, my Latino imi- amigos. I, let me teach you about the wonders of free market capitalism. As Hayek once said, and then he gets cut off by a status, and the status says, fuck that guy. Get, vote for me, and I will give you half of his stuff. <laughs> it's pretty easy. These are people trying to make a new life, and it's really easy to make a better new life for yourself if you can just steal somebody else's money, especially when they have too much of it or they have enough for you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: it is the the beautiful lie of statism that the government can take in take from the people that you don't like give to you and everything's going to be okay mm-hmm. it's not how it works with an increase with a with a welfare state that's as big and perverse and corrupt as the united states there's going to be an overwhelming amount of economic migrants people or immigrants that come in specifically for the benefits right and that will flood the welfare state more than it already is yep. at its current state uh the welfare state in the united states is completely unsustainable Mm -hmm. you we could we're already like 22 trillion dollars in debt and a lot of people talk about military spending but military defense discretionary spending along with other military spending only makes up like 20 ish percent of the national budget Mm -hmm. and at least we get something out of that i mean having america be a be the big boy in the world i mean (laughs) you better be glad it's not russia or china having america be the big boy is pretty useful Mm -hmm. but when you look at things like medicare and medicaid both of them costing like an additional 20 percent, it's an overwhelming amount of uh just benefits and handouts from the state taking from people and giving to others it's status violence used to extract wealth from others it's buying votes it's vote for us and we'll give you his stuff Mm -hmm. now legalizing guns and drugs Like I talked about, Eric Holder used the ATF to sell guns via the Fast and Furious scandal to Mexican cartels. Don't forget about that. Uh, You can reduce the financial incentive for cartels to run guns by just selling them here. Why would I need to buy an assault rifle from the cartel when I can buy it from my local gun shop? Mm -hmm. It's that easy, it's that simple. And it's the same thing with selling drugs. We know that banning certain substances doesn't work, like the prohibition or the war on drugs. Just end the war on drugs. I'm not a fan of somebody being able to buy heroin in a CVS, but I'm much less of a fan of the state being able to step in and tell you what you can and can't have in your own system. You're not hurting anybody else, you're only hurting yourself. And if that's what you really want to do, that's what you do. You know, keep it away from children and try not to OD in the street.
0: Mm-hmm. yep, those are those are two good um two good rules, I think. <laughs> um, so what Tristan has talked about, uh, I want to expand upon a few of the points he brought up because I think they're really good points, especially uh, mainly the middle class, because I think it's something we should all be concerned about and um i know people like to think you know if we if we just get rid of the welfare state you know maybe open borders could work and then we look at california and we look at um places that have already tried this sort of um sanctuary city type system um which are just all over the country and we realize that this this like we have this one percent that we call oh the you know the the really rich that are those are the evil people those are the people we should watch out for but um as as we talked about before most of the people coming here are going to be coming here for economic reasons uh, because America has a great economy and uh, I like to quote Yuval Harari um who wrote I think it was 21 lessons for the 21st century I think I think that's what it was a really good book you guys should check it out but basically what he said is that people vote with their feet Uh, everyone wants to come to America and there's a reason for that. It's because it's a great place to live, and even though most people want to admit that. Um, so when we look at the statistics of illegal immigrants, we see that only one half of them made it through high school. And then when we look at the legal ones, we see that one third, one third of them didn't finish high school. So we see that, um, you know, in terms of yeah, yeah, yeah. illegal versus legal, we can see that there's a... Um, a sort of disparity there um, and so th- th- what we'll what we'll find from this is that we're seeing this giant influx of the poor coming into the country this is you know we aren't unless um people are flying over from other countries like china who are able to afford the transportation to get here um, those people usually are bringing wealth um and economic um know, know, skills to our country but it, what we're going to see mostly from the people, you know, sort of below us is that a lot of them are poor and a lot of them are uh, lower educated. So and going back to the middle class, middle class is going to get smaller um, 100% because of that. So uh, and these are the people who are going to, as Tristan pointed out, have voting power. And of course, this goes right back to the Democrats who most of their policies are sort of pandering towards the the very lower class people. you know Things votes. like raising the $15 minimum wage. Things like, you know, re- not raising, but going to a $15 minimum wage. Things that would actually hurt the poor, but the poor don't really realize it because they... Why don't we just don't have a $1 stuff? million dollar
1: minimum wage?
0: See, then yeah, we can all be millionaires. I, I would agree with that. Yeah, sure. And, um, I want to be a millionaire.
1: <laughs> Who wants to be a millionaire? That's a game show.
0: So, um, Tucker Carlson, uh, I like to quote him a lot, but he has pointed out in his book, Ship of Fools, that the middle class is quickly becoming forgotten in the United States because um, – we, we like to think that we have a sort of, checks, of ba- checks and balances system in every part of the country. So we sort of even out. You know, we talked in the last podcast, rich versus poor. We like to have a sort of um, gradient going on. But instead, what we're seeing is more of a, a stark impasse between rich and poor, which is not a good thing. You know, sure, inequality is always going to occur in a system that – in a free market system that allows us to um, – You know buy and sell as we as we please but um the the greater that that disparity gets the worse things are going to be and like i said with california uh victor davis hansen from the hoover institution talks about this about 75 percent of geographic space in california is inhabited by the lower 25 percent of income earners and then you you have silicon valley which is its own little place that just has all of the richest people uh probably in the country and it controls all of the wealth and policy output. And this small portion of the country does not, or of the state does not care about the um, 75% that is um, inhabiting the rest of the state because why would they, you know? And then we, we say, well, where's the middle class in all of this? Well, it turns out they're not really there. Um, due to all the virtue signaling when we talk about raising taxes, Raising taxes, although Tristan pointed out that a lot of the 1% and the top 10% of earners are um, contributing a lot to taxes, we do see that the middle class is the one that hurts the most because they don't have the extra funds to give up, you know, in terms of, um, you know, having a, what's it called? when you have, disposable um, income that's the word okay yeah disposable income yeah, <laughs> so yeah then, i'm with you you're, yeah you're 100 percent right here chris yeah so um the beauty of well w- w- we have this influx of immigrants as i said before through an open border um we would get a growing lower lower class there uh washing out the voting power of the middle class becoming even further uh misrepresented in voting power and then the rich politicians would just say, hey, we need to tax more. And the people of lower income are going to be like, heck, yeah, (laughs) I would love to have some money. Thank you. And then the middle class is going to be like, "Uh, peace, I guess I'm moving down on the food chain here. And then the gap just keeps getting wider just by the second between rich and poor. So in addition to abolishing the welfare state, we'd have to abolish any sort of socialist system at all in the country. All right. Run it. (laughs) (laughs) and i know a lot of you are for that but i believe that um it's just not realistic you know we can it's sort of a wet dream for libertarians but i don't think we can we can actually achieve this especially since the welfare state has become so prominent and has made people so reliant on the government that taking it away would (laughs) would have some i didn't tell you about my wet dream how did you know that (laughs) Have some real
1: repercussions. So you when, spying on me? <laughs> no. When they said Big Brother is watching, I didn't think they meant you.
0: <laughs> but so here's what I talk about. In order for this to work, in order for open borders to work, I, I sort of compared to the UBI statement I made in the Andrew Yang podcast that a lot of you hate and yelled at us for. um Could it work? Hey, put his name in the title again. <laughs> yeah, I'll just put it, Andrew Yang <laughs> open borders. <laughs> Could it work? Yes, I think so. But make, in,
1: make the title Andrew Yang in the title. That would be funny.
0: <laughs> and just a picture of him as the thumbnail. <laughs> yeah. So could it work? Yes, in some grandiose theory. But in order for it to work, we'd literally have to change the entirety of the rest of the system to accommodate this process. So all these things are great in theory and sound wholesome, very idealistic, but cause more problems than they'd solve. And so let, let's think about it are um, open borders and closed borders, is this a moral issue? And we find that 100%, yes, it is. You know, people try to demonize those who want closed borders. Um, First of all, they say that they don't work, which is entirely untrue. And I will go and talk about all of the reasons that uh, borders actually do work and all of the systems not in America that actually have worked out and that people don't seem to acknowledge, including your um, favorite uh, country, Canada. But Moving on from that, is it moral to let as many people as we can into a broken system that they can take advantage of? And on on that side it's no. Of course that's not a moral thing to do. It's not a moral thing to take advantage of a system. Um so uh, where do we go from here? So we say um oh, going off of morals, one thing I want to bring up and yes, this sort of gets into the some people will call this racist and I want to bring up, a. a, a <laughs> maybe I shouldn't be talking about this, but I want to bring up a Article 35A of the Constitution of India. Um, it's making sure that non-residents cannot move into Kashmir. Um, you would have to get full residency to get all of the benefits of living in Kashmir. And so this article lace, uh, recently has been repealed, and talking about, you know, let's let everyone into... Um, and they were talking about, like, the Hindus who would come in um, and sort of... A lot of leftist media I was surprised at, but I guess not really surprised, like Vox and the New York Times. These media outlets were sort of talking about how this would promote an ethnic cleansing and, uh, of the local populations and would destroy their national identity. And so you start to think of yourself, why do we hold – why is this okay for other countries to have a sort of national identity, sort of let's preserve the culture that we do have? America does have a culture. A lot of people like to disagree, but you can literally just look at all of the media that we have and see how it's influenced other countries. And I love that, and I think um, the more that we bring this, this – um, there's going to be even more disparities between just the people – I see around me. I moved from Pittsburgh, which is a very um, white place, let's say, very American place. I moved to uh, a place called Apex, which is it's a small city, but it has a lot of people of um, it has a lot of Indians. It has a lot of um, not as many Mexicans, but it does have more black people. And what I've noticed is that there's a, there's a big difference. You notice that people tend to segregate themselves. You notice this in lunchrooms. You know, when this you went to like school. This sounds like
1: dangerous territory, Chris. Now, hang on. Not gonna not going to lie to you.
0: People, well, tr- let's, um, a disclaimer, Tristan, the things that I don't say, the things that I say are not approved by Tristan, so don't hold him to what I'm saying. I'm just saying people do tend to segregate themselves. And um I think there's a, a reason for that. So
1: Yeah, I think I heard somebody talk about this. I believe it was segregation de facto versus segregation de jour. And yeah. I can't remember which is which, but it's like the difference between like the government segregating people versus which is wrong. Yeah. People segregating people. It's like right. nobody's with the government segregating people. But then, you know, the the hardcore libertarian I mean, comes out as like, well people decide to separate themselves or segregate themselves by race i mean i don't want that but there's literally nothing i can morally do to stop
0: them right because you can't change people's minds on that that's a very the the idea is like
1: can you force other people to do something that they don't want to do which i usually say no that's not chill don't do that
0: yeah and we see this in the recent chelsea handler documentary where she talks about white privilege. For those of you who know about Chelsea Handler, she actually lives in a very rich neighborhood. She talks about it in the documentary. She saw a black... One black person. She's only seen one black person there. And she waved to them to try to make them feel more welcome. And so her thing is like... (laughs)
1: They yeah, treat I, actually, them, I saw that
0: on Netflix. Yeah. They, and I just kept scrolling. Yeah, do not watch it. Just um, move down. They, they treat them like the, they're these sort of animals, you know, like they're these children. Like, oh, let's make them feel more welcome. And it's just gross. It's disgusting. So, So you do have people, especially these rich white people, who are the ones who are advocating for these open border policies. And you'll find that most of them tend to segregate themselves from the people who are coming in. Um, But anyways, uh, uh, past that, we can talk about how closed borders and walls actually do work. Um, If you were, you can actually halt illegal immigration pretty, pretty concisely, I'd say. Uh, We did it in San Diego and in El Paso. So Sylvester Reyes sent out 400 Border Patrol agents in El Paso line them up every 100 yards along the border. It was called Hold the Line. That was the project. And they got a huge, huge drop in the EP sector apprehensions. It was a 72% drop, 286,000 fewer illegal crossings in 1994. So that was the whole point was to deter them before they even came in, which is what I'm about. I love the idea of instead of chasing illegals all around the country and doing this catch and release thing that doesn't work, and trying to have all these systems, what if we stop the influx before it can occur? And so um, a person who is armed at the border is going to be a very effective deterrent. Uh, We also find that a structure is even easier to maintain than having literal people standing there. We'd also have people there, but they wouldn't be the um, the only guard there. For example, the San Diego method was to have two separate fence structures uh, I, I like to compare this to Attack on Titan, where you have one along the outside, the really big one, and then you have one that's a little bit further in on the inside. So, in order for them to breach this barrier, they'd have to cross two levels. And uh, Is El Chapo the Colossal Titan? <laughs> because he makes tunnels... <laughs> And he gets through the
1: wall. Is oh, El no. Chapo the... Answer the question, Chris. <laughs> I haven't watched season two of... I haven't gotten through all of season one of Attack on Titan yet. I don't... <laughs> <laughs>
0: well... Um, it's all on. together now. I need to change the camera. Hang on a second. All right. I'll say something.
1: Now, when referring to open immigration policies versus closed immigration policies, we have open immigration policies of, you know, everybody can come in don't care who come on in run it let's run it now that's it definitely works in theory and i talk about this uh specific intellectual conundrum that i have i've talked about it a couple times uh, on this podcast specifically i think i actually talked about it on the andrew yang episode where it's like in theory uh the free in the free market eh, you know it all just works out the people who fail, fail, and they can try again. And the people who succeed, succeed, and they don't have to try again. And they can just... And private charities are great, and everything works out. Yeah. And in theory, open immigration, all right, there's no incentive for uh, terrorists or smugglers or people who would otherwise cause harm. Uh, legalizing all guns would, net, would make crime more negligible. In theory, all that works. But I recognize that, in reality, that's a bit hard of legislation to push. So what I ideally think is like a a purely absolutely meritocratic system Uh, a system based purely on meritocracy and values so you'd have to ideally it would be done by the states rather than the fed so if California wants to have different values of its immigrants than a place like Texas or Louisiana, then that's fine, and they can do that, yeah. and we can all we can all run it. And if Texas wants to have more strict immigration policy, they can, as long as they aren't infringing upon human rights. Uh, uh, I will say traveling—a lot of people talk about travel being a human right. It kind of depends on where you're going. You have a right to— not be impeded in your travel, but you don't have a right to go anywhere you want. If you go into somebody's house when they don't want you there, you can't just say, well, I'm not burglaring. I'm, tres- I'm traveling, officer. <laughs> That's not a thing. It's not your house. And just like, you know, it's not your state. It's not your land. Uh, yeah. Is the government illegitimate? Yes. But they also have a lot of guns. So maybe take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, purely meritocratic system. I and mean, ask yourself, what do you want out of an immigrant? Do you want some lame-o who believes things like taxation is the price we pay to live in a civilized society? Do you want some weirdo who thinks that politicians aren't the scum of the earth? Or do you want somebody like me? Somebody like me who thinks that we should have recreational nuclear warheads? Unironically, fuck with me. Somebody like me who thinks who hides gold in the walls because he doesn't trust the banks? Do you want somebody who likes fiat currency or do you want somebody who likes Bitcoin? That's right. You don't like me, just like everybody else. <laughs> so you have these specific values when it comes to immigration and, you know, different states can have different values. That's that was kind of the whole thing of like federalism and a constitutional republic. or not a democracy. Democracy blows. Republicanism is pretty dope, though. So think about that. Yeah. So. But let's actually think about successful ethnic group, uh, according to this Oz article from O-Z or ozy.com, the most successful ethnic group in the U.S. may surprise you. Uh, today, 29% of Nigerian Americans over the age of 25 hold a graduate degree, compared to 11% of the overall U.S. population, mm. according to the Migrations Policy Institute. Among Nigerian-American professionals, 45% work in education services. The 2016 American Community Survey found, and many are professors at top universities. Nigerians are entering the medical field in the U.S. at an increased rate, leaving their home country to work in American hospitals where they can earn more and work in better facilities. A growing number of Nigerian-Americans are becoming entrepreneurs and CEOs, building tech companies in the U.S. to help people back home. Now, Nigerians are by far the most successful ethnic group in the United States. Why is that? There's nothing uh special about them physically. I mean, if you at this point if you think it's race, you're being willfully ignorant. Melanin doesn't give you extra intelligence and it doesn't take away intelligence either, right. despite what some black supremacists or white supremacists may tell you. Melanin mm-hmm. is purely a skin thing. It's not that different. What it comes down to is culture. It's why Asian Americans make so much more than most other races. It's because of culture. I had a friend in high school, and he had the very stereotypical strict Asian parents. And he was really, really good at piano. And he was good at piano because every time... Because he would grow up and he'd play piano for a couple hours, and his mom would watch him play piano. And if he missed a note, she would whap him on the knuckles with a ruler. And he got really good at piano. And... (laughs) and i understand it's like that is child abuse and i <laughs> yeah I, I wish that hadn't happened to him because he was a great guy and he didn't deserve that yo but, but he, he got sick good
0: at of piano though yeah but he got <laughs> sick <of> piano. <laughs> let's be real <laughs> you want your kid to
1: be really good at something get that ruler yeah <laughs> my mom had the wooden she broke a wooden spoon on me look how i became <laughs> okay not the best example um
0: i was good at soccer uh, <laughs> we see your point um, though the the way you, yeah. you grow up and the way your parents yeah. enforce these rules it's, is going to is affect the, the outcome
1: it, it comes down to the culture uh yeah. antonio antonio Akoffer, who is my favorite gun waifu unfortunately she's somebody's actual waifu she's married congratulations mazel tov. uh super happy super happy for y'all he seems like a great guy i am jealous but i will i'll put on a brave face for this podcast
0: i'm proud of you
1: <laughs> Thank you, Chris. I always get it. I always have a crush on the conservative girls. It's becoming a problem. Yeah, he does. I don't know what to do anymore. There's like five. <laughs> I don't even know what to do anymore. Interesting what are we
0: talking about? Borders, <laughs> right?
1: Nigerian Americans. So it comes down to culture. I was reading about this, and she talked about her experiences with like Nigerian families. And there's a prevailing idea within the Nigerian family. It's like if you're going to college, you're going to college for finance, law. STEM or medicine or you're not going. And that's final. And it is a very strict household and they are very focused on success. And I like it. I like it a lot. I like the drive. I like the passion. And look how look how well it's working out. Eleven percent of the overall US population has a graduate degree. Twenty-nine percent of Nigerian Americans do. That's more than double. It's more than one quarter of Nigerian Americans have a graduate degree. Mm-hmm. Put four random Nigerian Americans in a room and one of them has a graduate degree. You would have to put 10 Americans. You would have to put put 11 yep. Americans in a room, one has a graduate degree. Mm-hmm. It is it is actually nuts. I think I got my math wrong, but yeah, it, you, you can did. understand. It's okay. <laughs> i'm tired i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> math minor by the way yeah i was gonna say <laughs> and when you when you have this kind of level of drive and passion and expertise and education going into it america by far has the best colleges in the world despite the state's best efforts to just neuter them mm-hmm. when you have that kind of thing it does more than you could ever imagine for a the united states socio-cultural and economic prosperity now you can't uh there's another video it's called immigration explained in gumballs where a guy talks about uh using immigration to solve extreme poverty now the world bank uh has extreme poverty uh defined as living under x amount of u.s dollars per day i believe the number is two there are a substantial amount of people who live under who live on less than two u.s dollars per day and that's wild Mm -hmm. eating a lot of rice brother um Now, he talks about uh, a lot of people, I think at least for good reasons, they have good intentions at heart. They want to use the U.S. immigration system to solve extreme poverty. They want to take people in extremely impoverished nations from extremely impoverished areas and bring them here and, you know, free market capitalism. They got the best shot. It brings more people out of poverty than anywhere else. But it's not feasible. We're already taking about 1 million. And yep. two million, it's a, a lot of economic literature. i he's I can't remember what study he cited in the video. he's He cites uh, he said two million immigrants would likely bankrupt the United States in its current form. Makes and sense. so a lot of people think, okay, we'll, we'll cut it in, we'll meet down the middle, one point five million, take them all in there. But that doesn't help because it doesn't matter how many immigrants we take in more people are born overseas than we could ever take in because mm-hmm. there are added another 80 million, I believe that's the number, 80 million people born into extreme poverty every single year. We don't have enough boats and trains to get them all over here. And even if we did, we do not have the resources to take care of them adequately. It would be a human rights disaster. People would act. They. Might actually be starving on the street. They might actually be better in their extremely impoverished neighborhoods. California. But, and exactly, homeless populations in California, they're skyrocketing. It's huge, yeah. It's a good point, actually, Chris. Thank you for that. Yeah, well. But, and Chris actually said this the last time we recorded this podcast. It's another good point that he brought up. Good job. Oh, do it, tutor Chris. Let's go. (laughs) So, the people, the 1 million immigrants that do make it to the United States, they're not the people at the bottom of the ladder. They're the people who have the resources in order to get over to right. the United States, in order, yeah. to immig- in order to immigrate. My dad uh, became a U.S. citizen. He immigrated because his grandma was a really hardworking woman. My mm-hmm. grandmother worked really hard. She survived uh, the Spanish Civil War against all odds. <laughs> My grandma tells me wild stories of her, like hiding out in caves so she don't get bom- so she didn't get bombed out. That's insane. Um, grandmother. As far as I know, was a golf player in Spain, and due to her just being good enough at golf, managed to scrape together enough money to get her and her kids over to the United States. Her and her new rich white husband—that nice. worked out pretty well for us. Yeah, <laughs> uh, her new rich white husband, my dad's stepdad, uh, the man I knew as my grandfather, who will always be my grandfather. He's just as family as anybody else. Right now when you think about it like that, we're not taking the most disaffected people, we're taking in the people that were disaffected but not quite enough to keep them away from the United States. That also creates something called a brain drain, which really hurt Puerto Rico earlier uh, with the floods. What happens is a lot of people immigrate away from the country due to economic misfortune. Mm -hmm. And those people that immigrate away are the people that are clever enough or have enough resources in order to do so. That creates, a blame, that creates something called a brain drain where there is a shortage of all labor, especially skilled labor, that a country needs to bounce back onto its feet. Yeah, Our immigration can help, but it also can hurt if we take away too many of their people. The mm-hmm. best thing that we can do, the best thing that we can do is expand trade, free market capitalism. They have resources. We have resources. We can go to those disaffected countries. We can go to those extremely impoverished n- nations and we can have uh consensual trade agreements we can give them resources and they give us resources and that will bring more people out of poverty than anything else if you uh look through jordan peterson's twitter ever as i often do Mm
0: -hmm.
1: single mother by the way um uh, he posts a lot of stuff about the good things that are going on in modern times which is pretty nice and talking about uh, there's actually been a huge huge decrease in extreme poverty Worldwide, And that's mostly due to free market capitalism. That's due to things like that. Now, open borders would help the United States, but it's not helping everybody. But it's a start. Like I said, I think that we need a meritocratic immigration system, purely, totally meritocratic immigration system. Do you want people like me? Or do you want labos like Elizabeth Warren? Focahontas, if you will. Um, and... Uh, Just to wrap this all up in a nice little bow, like to uh, just go through some hypotheticals and like what the the ideal I think uh, the most ideal slash realistic libertarian immigration policies could be. Generally, uh, the uh, statutes and principles of who comes in goes down to the states. You know, we have our whole republic. That's a pretty nice thing. Uh, Federally, they don't touch it. Uh, I don't see any logical reason for the federal government to get involved, uh, as because uh, it doesn't really cross over state lines that much. Now it would be done purely meritocratically. Things like the diversity lottery, gone. Uh, that just doesn't really help anybody, and with a focus on people who can provide uh, benefit the country. Kind of like how Canada. In Canada you have to have a certain amount of money in the bank. You already have to have a job, and I believe you have to have a sponsor as well. I don't know how they define sponsor as far as I've been able to read. It's somebody who can vouch. It's kind of like a, a co-signer on a lease. Somebody who's like who can vouch for you and can provide you a place to stay so that you're not a burden upon their welfare state. We would need some kind something like that where you have to be excuse me. I don't want to look at the amount of money in their bank. I don't want to look at Um, their sponsor or I would like them to have a job coming in but really I'd like to have some kind of aptitude aptitude test maybe something like the IQ test my dad took uh, give it to them in a language that they can understand I'm sure they'd appreciate that Uh, we don't need a lot of 70s rolling in so we need to be able to take in people who can contribute positively you just need to not come in and be a leech at the end of the day I know some people won't like me describing them as that but uh it is honest you can't come into the country and just start collecting welfare out of nowhere it it it's not fair to the people that actually pay into it all right chris go ahead
0: okay so i had started some what did i oh i was talking about so i guess i'll do the closing statements because we really i think we're way over our time now um so going off of what tristan kind of said um i'm i think i would be very stringent if I were the uh, president or in some sort of power on um, border, just uh, border policies in general. Uh, I think, as I agree with uh, Tristan, that there should be some sort of merit-based system. That's obvious. We can look at Canada. Canada has started to do the same thing Um, from their Library of Congress, the .gov website. uh, They're talking about how since 2006, the government has pursued reforms to, quote, Focus Canada's immigration system on fueling economic prosperity, and to place a high priority on finding people who have the skills and experience required to meet Canada's economic needs. Unquote. So when we think about that, you know, people a lot of times like to say closing closing borders, um, making immigration policies more stringent is racist. Of course, it's not. It's just you're worrying about the the massive influx of people into the country. What's that going to do to your economy? You have to. You have to take these things into account. You can't just say, we'll help every single person on Earth kind of thing. Um, I mean, I wish we could. That'd be a great thing. But it's just it's going to lead to destruction of a system. So it would be, um, can, you know, since and since 2008 as well, Canada has been tightening, tightening its immigration policies, focusing on economic class immigrants, which are the immigrants like Tristan was talking about, who have the skills and abilities to contribute to Canada's economy and their short term labor market needs, so getting people who are more skilled in order to help the economy. I think that's a great idea. Um, you know, And the rest of the um, things about border policies, do they work in other countries? Do borders work? Of course they do. Um, we actually have a private program called We Build the Wall, which has received public donations from 500,000 Americans recently. It was about $20 million in total. Um, the, they made the first privately constructed border wall on the national border in US history. So they have two more projects on the way. They're not telling anyone where they're going to be, of course. So, so far this has closed off a smuggling byway through the El Paso area, which had 21 paths and the wall is only a half mile long. So just think of how, how damaging to illegal immigration it could be to uh, just keep making walls like this. And they're actually getting things done. I'm proud of them. Good job guys, keep up the good work. Hungary has a 170-kilometer fence to stop massive immigration on the Balkan route by um, the Victor Orbán, the prime minister. Migration pretty much stopped from that point on, as we see. Israel's border wall works just fine, and I believe that if we can pay for Israel's border wall, we can pay for our own. Um, Saudi Arabia on the Iraqi border, uh, uh, Turkey has a wall against Iran and Syria. Ecuador, Mexico has, has a wall on their southern border. Exactly. Ecuador has a wall with Peru, Argentina has a wall for Paraguay, Uh, Iran has a wall on the Afghan and Pakistan border, Um, obviously the Berlin Wall was a thing, and it actually did work, we can see from the uh, data. So um, the idea of walls and borders obviously does work, and I I will support them 100%. I think that um, in, in most of my policy, or most of my political leanings, I am anti-government until it comes to things like immigration in which i think that's their time to finally step up and say hey time to do our job now let's um keep as many people um, illegally coming in as we can uh, using resources and let's try to get the people in who are going to actually help our country because it is it's not racist it's not an awful thing to think of your country and to put your country first you know people talk about nationalism as if it's some sort of um You know, of course, it can go too far. That's obvious. But to talk about it like it's a it's a this awful thing that's not helpful to people, I think is nationalism doesn't hurt people. The government does. Right. And um, so I think it's it um, talking about immigration is something that we need to do without these sort of, um, you know, pointing fingers and name calling and things like that. I think we can actually sit down and come up with some um, great policies I think that can work out. So I think that's where, that's all the notes I had pretty much. Um, So yeah, could open borders work in some far off universe, an alternate universe somewhere? Yes, they could work. For the United States as of the policies that we have right now, heck no, there's no way. And so we need to take that into um, consideration and that's all we have for today. Uh, We'll see you guys. Thanks so much for watching, y'all. Yeah, thanks for listening. If you did listen all the way through, I congratulate you. (laughs) Um, And please subscribe. If you haven't gone to our YouTube channel, please go to our website, indevstudios.com, follow our Twitter, follow our Instagram. Um, Just keep listening because we really appreciate the support out there. I know we're a smaller podcast, but we're trying to ramp up our quality. We're just trying to get better every time. So Thanks so much, everybody. Goodbye. Bye-bye.